Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. All right, Ryan, before we dive into this live podcast, which we recorded in Spokane, Washington, it was a great event, uh, the Bing Crosby Theater, I think it was. It was and, awesome. Yeah, yeah a, a, way more people showed up than I expected in, in Spokane, Washington, and really grateful for that. We've been sitting on this one for a couple months for you, so we wanted to share it with you today. But before we dive into that, Ryan, we're hitting the road again. Yeah, man. And so we're, we're in studio right now recording this. We're recording some other episodes to pepper in between our live episodes. But uh, we're coming to your town, and we're going to record a live version of the Minimalist Podcast. We're going to give a talk about minimalism. We're going to dish out a bunch of hugs. And I'll tell you what, man, um, we have quite a few amazing cities right in front of us. Yeah, man. So, hide your kids. Hide your wives. Canada. <laughs> We're coming your way. I, or they could. I think in most of these cities, they could bring their kids and they oh, that's could definitely. What I, that's bring what their I meant wives. to say. Invite your kids. Invite your wives. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're, we're starting off. Back. We're doing six cities in in uh, in Canada. We're doing Toronto. That one sold out, and so we got a much bigger theater, and then that sold out. But then they opened up a the extra section, so there's still a few tickets left. Fewer than a hundred tickets left in Toronto. Wow, that's a huge venue. We really love you is. too, Toronto. Thank you for supporting us. Yes, indeed. Thank you, and uh, thanks for everyone who's going to come out. But there are still some tickets left. By the way, it's called the Less Is Now Tour. You can find all these dates and theaters and, and tickets over at lessisnow.com. Uh, we're going to be, after that, the next day, we're going to be in Ottawa. Fewer than 100 tickets left there. And then we're going to be in Montreal. We, and I just confirmed the special guest there uh, yesterday. It's going to be Julian Smith, our, our oh, friend. Sweet. He, he wrote a book called The Flinch many years ago. He now runs a, a company that's like Airbnb for uh, office space. Office space, yeah. yeah. And uh, it's called Breather. And it's, uh, it's a, great, a great company, great concept. You can rent office space by the hour, even if you just want to go take a nap. If you need a breather, that was the initial concept. I'm going to walk away from from the, the, the hustle and bustle of, of everyday life, and I'm going to have this quiet space I can go meditate in or do office work or meet with clients. Uh, he's going to be with us in Montreal. It's where his company's based, and he's based out of Montreal. He had a profound impact on our lives, especially when we first started blogging. Yeah. He, uh, just his writing style was, was really intense, but you know what? He doesn't blog anymore. And I'm going to talk to him about that on stage. And so we'll record that uh, on the live podcast. Yeah, his as well. blog, his blog was, it was like you read one of his posts and it would make you a little angry. Yeah. And it would like shake you a little bit. Jarring. Yeah. But it's, it's kind of what, well, at least when I read it, it's what I needed. Exactly, man. Yeah, it was good. Sometimes we need to be gently told what to do. And sometimes we need to be pushed up against the wall and, and told that you're doing everything wrong and you need to fix it immediately. And he was the guy who would throw you up against the wall and shake you. And afterward, you would actually thank Julian for yeah. shaking the hell out of you. Yeah. So Julian Smith will be there in Montreal on September 2nd. And then we're headed to the west coast of Canada. Um, by the way, there's fewer than 100 tickets left in Montreal, fewer than 100 tickets left in Vancouver as well. And that is a big venue. So Vancouver, come on out. And then we're going to be in Calgary and Edmonton. Only about a dozen tickets or so left in Calgary. Uh, Ryan and then uh, from there Edmonton actually sold out but then they opened up an additional section they found some more tickets fewer than a dozen tickets left in Edmonton so if you want those tickets get them while you can and then we're gonna take a very short break 
and we are headed on over to the East Coast. We have three stops in New York City, uh, Brooklyn, and then Manhattan, and then Brooklyn again. We're also going to be in Philadelphia in between those. And so two of those are already sold out. Manhattan is sold out. Brooklyn, the second date, is sold out. We just added a new date in Brooklyn. And that's on September 20th. And the cool thing about that is that September 20th date, Ryan, mm-hmm. uh, Scott Harrison is going to be is going oh, to be with man. us from uh, Charity Water. Yeah, from Charity Water. So he, he's been working on a bunch of stuff. We, we've done a, a lot of yeah, really well building with them, and and now we're gonna have the opportunity to to have him on stage and sort of talk about the gift of of contribution. I want to be Scott when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> man, he yeah, he's like. It, it's beyond responsible. It's, uh, I mean, it's altruism, but it also, I mean, he has developed this organization. His goal, Scott Harrison's goal, is to have no one on the planet not have access to clean drink drinking water or to use no double negative there to just say <laughs> that he wants everyone, all, all 7 billion people or soon to be 8 billion people on the planet to have access to clean drinking water. And he's, it's a, it's quite the stretch goal. Dude, but, if anyone could pull it off though, I think Scott can. Yeah, I think so. And so we've helped him build some wells in the past and uh, we're going to help again. And we're going to talk about it on, on that Brooklyn stop. So we're coming to you, New York city. Two of those events are already sold out, but get your tickets to that Brooklyn event on September 20th or Philadelphia. There are uh, tickets left in Philadelphia on September 21st. And then in October, Ryan, we have three dates in a row, Salt Lake city, Denver, Phoenix and Salt Lake city. We're going to have Courtney Carver, our good friend, Courtney Carver. Nice. She'll be there. I'm trying to get a, mu- a musician who we both love, uh, Isaac Russell, Ruru. To, oh, uh, I was just texting with him yesterday. And so maybe we'll have an opportunity to have him open up as yeah, well. He's great, man. So I, you know, I'm looking forward like, to Salt Lake. Hopefully we get the question, how is minimalism? Uh, like people always say minimalism is harder for women than it is for guys. Yeah, yeah. And like Courtney is the perfect person to answer that. Qu- like she's the qualified person to actually answer that question. Yeah, she's she's truly the expert. You know, she runs a, a great blog called Be More With Less and she runs Project 333. And so she'll be able to uh, to bring her expertise to the podcast, but also to the live event. And then speaking of expertise, one of the guys who really inspired us early on was Joshua Becker. He and his family and his wife, Kim, and they have two kids. They were sort of the suburban minimalists in a way. And they live in Phoenix now. When, when I first approached minimalism, they lived in Vermont. And uh, now they live in Phoenix, sort of uh, it's a suburb of, of Phoenix, Peoria, Arizona. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be at our Arizona event, at our, at our Phoenix event. And uh, he'll be on stage with us as well. We'll also be in Denver. Now that event is almost sold out by the time this comes out there may only be a handful of tickets left or may even be sold out but uh, again you can find all the dates and details lessisnow.com we're headed down to texas after the mountain states we're going to have three stops in texas austin texas is already sold out our friend crew spence is going to be there and uh, we'll, we'll share the stage with him. He has uh, something called the Spartan Plan that he'll, uh, he'll talk about. And he has a unique perspective, especially on relationships. I've learned so much about relationships from our friend Crew Spence. And then we have stops uh, House of Blues in Dallas and House of Blues in Houston. We're going to be in both cities. Tickets still available there. And then we're rounding out the south with Nashville, Washington, D.C., and Atlanta. We've got guests at all three of those, Ryan. So Griffin House. We were just talking about him before we turned on the mics and started recording. 
our friend Griffin House is going to be opening the show with uh, with some music. But then he's also going to join us on stage because he, he said, you know, I think this minimalism thing really applies to me. And I'm looking forward to, uh, to talking about minimalism from a sort of amateur's perspective. And so um, I'm really looking forward to that. He's one of my favorite musicians. I've seen him live more than I've seen anyone else yeah. live, I think. Well, yeah, especially he's from our hometown. Yeah. So yeah. he had he always had concerts in Dayton and Cincinnati and in Springfield. In I Springfield, saw him yeah. so he, he grew up in Springfield, Ohio, and I've seen him a bunch of times, even in Springfield. He'll go back. He lives down in Nashville now. And then after Nashville, uh, we're headed to Washington DC. Cal Newport is gonna join us there. Oh that's he's gonna make us look like amateurs. Well he's a computer scientist. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness man. <laughs> not just amateurs, we're gonna look like elementary school students. Oh but uh, he he has some great perspectives, especially on creativity and deep work. So Cal Newport will be at our, our DC event. He was at our last event in DC. Um, actually not the last one, but the one before that um, in 20. 14 he mm. he introduced us but now he's going to join us on stage we're going to record a podcast with him he's written a few great books uh, so good they can't ignore you was the name of one of the books that really resonated with me and the most recent book was called deep work and he really he has ryan he, he has these perspectives that i don't always agree with but i disagree with them only enough that he's a often able to pull me over to his side of the argument. Now, he doesn't use any social media. I think he's like 29 years old and has never used any social media. He's a computer scientist, a tenured professor at Georgetown, and uh, an all-around great guy. And I'm looking forward to bringing his perspectives to our audience on yeah, the podcast. And then from there, um, Atlanta. We're, we're going to be in Atlanta with J.P. Sears. Oh, my. I was just watching one of his videos. Which one? He did this like 45-minute talk in a yoga studio no yes <laughs> and he was just like trolling people the whole time yeah but like it's so he has such a he has such an awesome way of like sounding profound mm. and if you didn't know that it was satire yeah and it's the first time you've ever heard him like act, and he's, he wasn't making fun of anything he was just using all these cliche yeah be vulnerable <laughs> What's the story beneath the story? <laughs> you know, like really, and it sounds profound. And he and he can even like go on and on with one of those ideas and make it sound even more profound. Yeah. And he's got people nodding their heads and like oh, asking no. questions. So yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't know how this event's gonna go because he could actually answer questions in a very profound way yeah. that makes people think. Or he could just troll us the whole time. And, I think, I think and make fun be of us the whole time. Both, man. I mean, it'll probably you, be a little bit of both. Yeah. If you've seen his video, for those of you who, who are listening to this, if you've seen his video, he did one about minimalism, like how to become a minimalist. Right. And, you know, he talks about you know the key is to earn enough money so you can pretend to be poor, basically. <laughs> right. And and I think he's going to do that on stage. With it us. He's like, I don't have any books on my bookshelf except mine. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the only ones you should have on your bookshelf. There's a certain irony in that because I, I don't have many physical books, but I have like a bunch of copies of my own <laughs> books because <laughs> like, like Sean will need one to send out to people or whatever. And so like, I know I'm not reading my own books. Yeah, dude, but, but we store we don't store them at our houses, man. Right? They're, no, I, I, I keep a office, handful. I keep a handful at my house because people are constantly asking, "Can I get one of your books?" And I'm yeah. like, "Yeah, of course." Um, but no, I'm not like gifting them as. Dude, like, he is it's your he birthday. Is so funny. Here's my book, guys. If you have not 
if you're listening to this and you haven't heard of JP Sears, you've got to look up JP Sears YouTube channel and just you can start with the minimalism video. There's one where he does a whole what if meat eaters uh what if meat eaters acted like vegans. Yeah. And that's my favorite of his. Oh yeah, dude. Like my favorite line from that whole thing is where he's sitting there, he's just like eating a raw steak. <laughs> <laughs> and his friend's eating a salad and he looks at his friend and he's like, Excuse me, that's my food's food. <laughs> My food eats that food. <laughs> That's offensive. <laughs> <laughs> I like when he, he's holding up this like raw piece of sausage and he says, this is a, uh, a meat-based cucumber substitute. Without <laughs> and he just keeps going on this yeah. rant. And um, it's great. And so he will be poking fun at us. And he's he hilarious. The, yeah, yeah. And the thing about his satire videos is these are usually things that he believes in himself. Like he believes in having a mostly plant-based diet. Oh so yeah. He's poking fun at himself more than anything. Yeah. What do they say? It's like a liberal making fun of liberals or something. Is that how? Yeah. I've, I've heard, I've heard that said about him, but, so but yeah, no, it'll be great. If I cannot believe our, I can't believe that our Atlanta stop isn't sold out yet. Because, yeah. It's not because I'm telling you, man, like JP Sears, it, it, it to me, it would be worth, just to see him. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah it's it's going to be great. Yeah. And then from there, uh, I think it's the next night, we'll be in Tampa. And that one's almost sold out. So by the time this comes out, I don't, I mean, it's what, three or four months in advance. It's already uh, almost sold out. I'm trying to get uh, Seth and Gabe uh, Gabe to to open up. Brother Cephas. Brother Cephas, yeah. yeah. That'll be awesome. So um, I'd be, I would be interested to see. Them. I haven't seen him uh, play an acoustic set. Yeah, they're so good, man. And that new, I, I know I mentioned it on the last podcast, but I cannot stop playing that new EP of theirs. It's called Not oh, That I Important. I have not listened to it yet. Man, it, I cannot stop playing it. It's, have to check it out. It's playing in my ears right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, and then after that, uh, of course, December in the Midwest. It's the best place to be in December. We're going to end the Less Is Now tour, at least the North American version of it, in Detroit and Milwaukee. That's the end of North America. 40 cities is where we're going to be this year. Detroit, Milwaukee, still tickets left to both of those. But then next year, we're coming to Australia in March. Make sure you're on our email list because, um, actually, if you're on our email list, you'll be the, the first to know about those dates. We're doing at least four dates, Australia and New Zealand. Our book, Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life, just came out there, and it's been doing really well. Number two on the nonfiction charts. And we're really grateful for that. And I just had an interview on, on ABC Radio over in Australia yesterday, Ryan, and, and the lady was interviewing me. was like, you've got to get over here soon. I'm like, yes, don't worry. March, we're going to be out there. She goes, I told my friends I was interviewing you. ABC is like the biggest radio station there is out there. Yeah. She goes, I have so many friends. You have such an audience in Australia. And I'm like, I know we do. Like, it's every, unbelievable, man. It, our, our podcast is better in Australia than anywhere else in the world. So wow. thank you, Australia. We're coming to you to say thanks. Uh, make sure you're on our email list over at theminimalists.com. You'll be the first to know. Or actually, the, the very first people who know before tickets even go on sale to the public are our Patreon supporters. So I'll mention Patreon really quickly. We're doing a bunch of bonus episodes on Patreon, bonus podcast episodes. So we're doing something uh, recently called Weightlifting with the Minimalist where we do these short little episodes and uh, you're welcome to be a part of that. So you, and they're free by the way. I, we were uh, we were charging for those those bonus episodes. But basically if you support 
us on Patreon. Yeah, if it's a dollar, if it's a hundred dollars, you will be able to listen to those. Yeah, actually, if it's two dollars, but yes, um, <laughs> that's what I meant. <laughs> two dollars or more, um, you you'll have access to that. If you support us, support us with just a dollar, that's great. You help us keep this podcast a hundred percent advertisement free. Head on over to Patreon.com/slash/TheMinimalists or go to the show notes of this episode. Ryan, should we say anything else before we jump into this live version of the Minimalist Podcast? No, man. I'm just really looking forward to seeing everyone on the road. Enjoy this podcast. We'll see you soon. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I am Ryan Nicodemus. And together, we are the Minimalists. In Spokane. Yeah. Yeah. This is so great. We, we just drove over here this morning. Um, you know, we live right down the street in Missoula, Montana. So ho- My house is 199 miles from your Chipotle. Uh, while we're waiting for some folks to line up and ask some questions, Ryan, I had a question for you. So Ryan was gone for like the last, it felt like forever, but... Um, uh, you, you were in, in Tokyo for, what, two weeks? Yeah. You and your partner, Mariah. Yeah. How was it? It was great, man. It's, uh, Japan is like one of the nicest countries I've ever been to. The people are nice? The, yeah, the place the people, is nice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's both, both. It's like, it gives Montana a run for its money, believe it or not. Wow. I know. Like, I did not realize there was, like, amazing landscape and mountains in Japan, but, like, yeah, there are, they got, be- they have everything. Beaches, they have snowboarding. It's like, it's like. It's like California, but everyone speaks Japanese. I know where you're going with that. So, um, <laughs> I was going to get into some like serious questions about minimalism, but but I mean, you you spent some time in in Tokyo, which is it, it makes cities like like New York seem like mid-sized towns oh, it, it like tokyo is well it's literally well i guess it depends on what demographic you're looking at i think like square miles it's like the biggest city in the world it holds the biggest city in the world for one of those demographics okay yeah but it literally is it's like five new york cities in one i've noticed like so so around the same time that this whole minimalism movement really caught fire in in the late oddies early teens here um it also had, there was a parallel movement over in in Japan as well, and I'm I'm really inspired not necessarily by by feng shui, but by um, the type of minimalism that I'm into is architecture and and bare bones. I mean, I think one of the things about minimalism for me is the bones are the beauty of the thing, and so if you have a a beautiful object or if you uh, have a home that is is beautiful without all the accoutrements. That I've noticed, I notice a lot of that is going on in in Japan right now. Yeah, it's uh, we, so we were in an Airbnb. We actually stayed with a couple friends. So uh, Josh Wagner and Alexa, who I know I've talked about on the podcast before, um, but essentially I got a couple friends who they they teach English online and they travel basically every ninety days to a new country because like their visas run out after ninety days. And it's funny because like people will come up to me and they're like, "Well, Colin Wright in your documentary, he must be a millionaire. Like, there's there's only like you can only be a millionaire to travel like that." And these guys are not millionaires by any stretch. I mean, they're they, starving artists, basically. Yeah, basically, yeah. Like I was trying not to 
like coin them as starving artists. But yeah, I mean, yeah, they're, they're pretty much starving artists. So I told him, I was like, if you ever make it over to Tokyo, they were talking about how they might get over that way. Um, I told him that, you know, Mariah and I would totally go out there and visit. But we were staying with them in an Airbnb. It was uh, two bedrooms, one bathroom, and it was super tiny. I want to say like maybe 600 square feet. But That's it, pretty big for over there, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it, w it was very well crafted. Like, I, it, it was an apartment, but, it, you know, it felt like a tiny home. But it wasn't, like, uncomfortable to where we were on top of each other. We couldn't, like, hear each other's bathroom noises. Like, you know, it was, it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, uh, it, was, it, was, it was great. Um, I was really impressed with how all, all the spaces we went to, like, um, other people's apartment or homes or whether it was a coffee shop or a restaurant, it's amazing like what they could fit into such a small place. The bathroom specifically, it's like you walk into this little sushi place where like they can't even, they can't even have chairs. It's one of the best sushi places I ate when I was there. Uh, they don't even have chairs. Like you have to stand and eat sushi and you're like, oh, they definitely don't have a, you know, a restroom. And, you know, Mariah was like, oh, do you have a restroom? And, and the guy behind the counter was like, oh yeah, it's over there. And I'm like, oh, wow, like they actually, like this place is so small, but they can still have a restroom. And um, she went and she came back out. She was like, they have like a toilet and a sink and everything. And I went in there and it was like no bigger than like a closet, like a small, small closet. But they were just able to like fit everything. And I don't know, they're just very deliberate with how they, they put all their, their stuff in, in the space that they have. So we, we talked to a few folks who own tiny homes. We, we don't have tiny houses ourselves, but uh, we, we have appropriately sized houses for us. Uh, um, and I mean, it'd be really, I have a, a three-year-old now and she is, I call her Hurricane Ella. And uh, sometimes, yeah, I can't imagine living in, in a, a tiny home with her, but um, I, I could see when it'd be, but I could see when, a time when it would be appropriate. But the thing that I, that I noticed um, with the people that we talked to who lived in these tiny homes, when we were recording our documentary, um, was you know, they have to make some tough decisions with their space. They're tough at first, but they're important decisions. And later on, they're like, man, I'm so glad that I like, I f it's a weird way of forcing yourself to be intentional. It's these creative restrictions or creative limitations that, that force you to bring in only that which is essential. You know, when I was giving the talk earlier, I was talking about the things that I own now serve a purpose or they bring me joy and everything else is out of the way. And I really saw that personified in the tiny houses. And it sounds like you saw a lot of that in Japan Yeah, I mean, well. we were saying like they had no choice but to do that. Yeah. I mean, you uh, otherwise, you'd be like my neighbor. There's the ultimate irony here. The person across the street from my house, it's like the minimalists and then the hoarders. Quite literally, I'm, and I'm not judging them. I mean, literally, they don't have blinds. They just have boxes stacked up. Um, and, and what I've what I've come to realize is that that's where that's the terminus of it, right? Now, I, I was a well-organized hoarder because I collected a lot of stuff, and I had a, an ordinal system of boxes and bins, and and I was I was I found a way to hide my hoarding really well, and and when you have a space like that, it's much, much harder to hide the hoarding. I had an attic and a basement and a garage and a storage locker on the edge of town. <laughs> anyway, welcome back to the States, Ryan. Thanks, man. Um, oh, by the way, he sent me a picture while he was over there. He had a lot of sushi while he was there. And all, well, you, you, you won't be clapping in a moment. 
<laughs> he sent me this picture, and I was certain he had had a stroke. And, and my partner, Rebecca, she is a registered dietitian, and she was like, oh, he has uh, a facial paralysis from food poisoning. And he ate so much sushi that his left eye just stopped working. I shit you not. Yeah, it's funny now. <laughs> it's funny now. I was not laughing at the time. <laughs> I will say, though, like, I went to the hospital, and uh, I'm t- like, dude, it was like, I would never get that experience. Well, first off, I never get that experience in an ER in the States. I mean, like, I, I, went, I got there, and they were just like, how can we help you? And, you know, we'll find someone who speaks English, and then, like, it was Golden Week, which is, like, the one... I want to say like super holiday that they all take over. They're like, everyone's off that week, including the ER doctors. So they're like, you know, sorry, there's no doctor here for, to, to, for, to, uh, here to look at your eye. Sorry, there's no emergencies this week. But they like, <laughs> they went out of their way to like find another doctor who was, who was uh, available, who spoke English. I mean, it was, it was really awesome. And, and like the doc, the eye, the eye doctor visit, the eye drops that they gave me, it was like 60 bucks. I mean, I was just like, no, I had no insurance. Why? I mean, I have insurance. I, don't, I didn't have travel insurance because I'm like, I'm not going to need travel insurance. But I mean, really, though, the travel insurance probably would have cost me 60 bucks. <laughs> uh, but yeah, at the end of the day, it was, it was like, and I, I, uh, Mariah, she used to work at an eye clinic and to see an, an ophthalmologist, ophthalmologist. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like 350 bucks. So um, yeah, it just blew me away. And it, yeah, especially how kind the people are over there. But anyway. Well, I'm glad you're back, and I'm glad we are here in Spokane. Thank you all for being here tonight. Thank you so much. We've got some fine folks getting ready to ask some questions. If you just say what your name is, and uh, if you're from here, or if you're from somewhere else, and whatever your question is, we're happy to help out. I'm James. I'm from Spokane. Howdy. I just wanted hey, to say thank you, Josh and Ryan, for coming to Spokane. Oh, man, our pleasure. Hopefully you got some time to do some sensory, de- sensory deprivation time. Um, my question is, I have a lot of stuff. I'm okay with it. I'm working on getting rid of it. My problem is I have a lot of hobbies, a lot of passions, and I'm trying to minimize which passions are no longer adding value, which ones is it's time to let go. How do I help myself let's, get rid of those? So, so let, let's talk about that. What, what are some of those passions? Like if you were to say, my, my top three passions are blank, what are those blanks? Uh, that'd be auto mechanic work, like on the side. Okay. Uh, You're hunting. passionate about working on cars? Yep. Okay, and cool. Hunting and fishing. Okay, that, that's three. Do you see how we chunk things together? Yep. I love working on cars while I'm skydiving. It's one passion. <laughs> Now give me, give me two more. You got some more. That's great. I brew beer. Okay. And then um, I like gardening. Okay. Good deal. Well, I, I, I've got some good news for you. You can do all of those things. Uh, you can't do them all at once. And, and I think that was important for me to realize, right? Uh, especially when I was trying to figure out how do I pursue and, and really cultivate a passion is, is a better word that I, that, that I, would, I would look into is... is thinking about my passions not as these exciting tasks that always make me perpetually happy, you'll get some joy from those things, 
But I, I want to delineate hobbies from passions in this instance for you. I think your hobbies can be your passion, and I'm totally fine with that. Uh, in fact, I, I hope that you're passionate about your hobbies. Otherwise, it's a total waste of time. Um, there, I had hobbies back in, in the old, uh, my old tw 20s where I'm like, I didn't even enjoy the task. You know, it's like if you, you have a stamp collection, but you hate stamps. Or, <laughs> but you're like, well, it's what I'm supposed to do. And, and so what I, what I would encourage you to do is, is figure out what your priorities are right now. And here's the good news. I don't know, how old are you right now, James? I will be 36 on Monday. Oh, nice. Well, we're the same age then. So um, what, what I've learned is that sometimes I'll be really passionate about, about a thing and I can stack other passions on top of that over time. When Ryan and I first started TheMinimalists.com, that was six, six and a half years ago. And I, up until that point, I had written a lot of fiction. That, that's what, what my passion was, just writing fiction. And Ryan came to me with this idea of, hey, man, I think some people will get value from the story. You're pretty good at writing. Do you think that will translate over to nonfiction? And uh, some of it did. Uh, and, and that's where it started. So we started writing essays online. We didn't, know, we didn't even know it was called a blog at the time. Um, I, you know, we couldn't figure it out. I couldn't spell HTML. So we tried, we figured out how to, to cobble together this, uh, this website and we started writing on there. And after about a year, um, we, people kept asking us about, about when are you guys going to write a book? You're writing all these different essays online about simple living. Can you distill this down into one book? And so eventually we did. And we wrote a book called Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life. And, and one of the chapters in there is about passions. And I don't want to feel like I'm selling you that book. So, Jess, if you're around here somewhere, if I could give James a copy of Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life at some point, I'd appreciate it. Um, but um, something happened. Um, what's, the, what's the sound of one person clapping? Um, that's what I call a faux fundity, by the way. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, so, so I, I've learned that we started writing the essays, then we wrote a book, and then eventually, like, I, I wanted to get back to the writing of fiction, and really what that was was storytelling for me. So I went back and said, with, with fiction, what, what, what about that really resonates with me? And it was the narrative part of things. So Ryan and I moved out to Montana in this cabin in the middle of nowhere, and we wrote our second book called uh, Everything That Remains. And it was a memoir, so it had many of the fictive elements in it. So that was a different passion I was able to stack on top of that. Uh, there's a guy named Scott Adams. Do you know who, who Scott Adams is? Anyone here? He, he writes that Dilbert cartoon. Y'all know that one, right? Well, he, he talks about skill stacking, and I think of passion can be the same way. So, so um, with skill stacking, he'll say, you know, like with drawing, for example, he, he draws his cartoon. He'll say, I am not in the top 1% of drawlers in the world, but he has one of the 1% of most successful cartoons in the world. Well, why is that? Well, it's because he has these other skills that he's incorporated with that. His other skill is storytelling. He's not in the top 1% of that either, but he's in the top 20% of drawing, top 20% of storytelling, and then business-wise, he's, he's a decent business person. So I'm in the top 20, 30% of, of, of running a business, and that was part of getting those, those cartoons out into the world. So not the best businessman, not the best cartoonist, not the best storyteller, but you stack those skills together 
together, you find a way to blend them, and all of a sudden, you're in the best 1% of the cartoon storyteller businessmen in the world, and that's why he was so successful with that. And then you also have to ask yourself some questions. Why do you want to do this? Um, and, and the reason I ask, I ask questions like that is sometimes you might say, well, I, I want to make a living off of this. And I always encourage people to be careful with that. I think it's great if you can do that, but don't let money be your primary driver for your passions. Uh, and e your passions should align with your values and your beliefs, and if you can earn some income off of that on the side, that's, that's great. But um, it, when it becomes a primary driver, the, the creativity in it, it usually, not always, but, but quite often gets, gets tainted. And one last thing is um, if you're 36 years old right now, you can be passionate about something for the next five years, and you can be passionate about something else the following five years. And then five years after that, you might discover there's another passion that you have. You weren't born to be a mechanic or a yoga instructor or an astronaut. The, the truth is that there are dozens, if not hundreds of things you could be passionate about. The key is to, to pick one, work at it hard, drudge through the drudgery, and be, be willing to, uh, to, to let go of the other things, at least temporarily, so you can focus on that, so you can cultivate it into a passion. That's my short answer. Man, I live in Montana, so there's like a lot of things to be passionate about out in Montana. Um, yeah. <clears throat> well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, so right now I, I longboard, I snowboard. I don't have a wakeboard, but I love to wakeboard. Uh, pretty much anything that has a board on it, I really like, <laughs> except for waterboarding. Hey, don't knock until you try it. <laughs> um, but so I got a longboard, I got a snowboard, uh, mountain bike. Those are like kind of my three biggest things that, that, uh, uh, the three biggest hobbies that I have and the mountain bike not too bad like I got a helmet that doubles as like my snowboarding helmet not a ton of stuff that comes along with that my longboard that's pretty much all I have um, again helmet doubles for that too I probably should get some like knee pads and stuff um, I don't really really attempt anything too crazy uh, uh, snowboarding there's a ton of stuff that comes with that I mean like gloves and long john yeah um, so for me like the key with well, one of the keys, I guess, with like my hobbies is like I have one of what I need. So I don't have two snowboarding jackets. I don't have, you know, three sets of snow pants. I don't have, you know, I literally have one pair of long johns that I'll wear when I go, when I go snowboarding. I used to have two pair for those like really, really cold days, but then I got a really good pair of snow pants to where like I don't really don't need two pairs of long johns no matter how, how cold it gets. I'm like knocking on wood because I'm just envisioning next winter like getting down to like, you know, negative 40 or something. I'll be regretting that statement. But... But you know, if that happens, great. Like I'll go buy another pair of long johns if I really absolutely need it. I mean, they're not that hard to pick up. Um, but when it comes to like other hobbies that I want to introduce in my, into my life, like I can tell you right now, dude, like I, I used to fish all the time. Being from Ohio, I mean, there's just so many opportunities, um, whether it was like in a nice big lake in Ohio or, or uh, a creek, or like my buddy, he just lived in like this trailer park that had a pond in there. And like we would fish for hours on that pond. And I loved it, man. Um, I somehow lost that along the way. Like, in my, like when I started my whole corporate career, um, that kind of fell by the wayside. And I remember like giving him all my fishing stuff because he was like kept calling me for fishing trips. And like I just, you know, never really made it a priority. 
But I would love to pick up fly fishing, man. Like living in Missoula, Montana, I mean, this is where they filmed the river runs through it. I mean, like you, you almost have to fly fish if you live in Missoula, Montana, right? Uh, but I know that I've got to say no to fly fishing so I can say yes to the other hobbies that I have. So I can say yes to uh, going on tour. So I can say uh, yes to so many other things. So, you know, I, I think where I would start if I was you is what is, like, what is saying no to uh, being a, a part-time mechanic? Like, what does that open up for you? And I'm not, I'm not like, encouraging you to stop working on cars, but, but ask yourself that question. Like, what would I do with that time? What would I do with that space if I was able to say no to working on cars? Like, what would that uh, make room in my life for? And that's really kind of how I look at my hobbies. It's like, why would I say no to something um, and then that's usually where I get the why. And I, you know, Josh talked about that in the beginning of his talk, uh, you know, or I should say at the beginning of his minimalist journey of asking that question of, you know, how, am I, how might my life be better with less? And that's the same question you need to ask yourself. How might your life be better with, be better <laughs> with less hobbies? And you know what? You may look, you may ask yourself that question and be like, you know what? There's really nothing that I would be able to do with that time any better than what I do now. But the fact that you're asking us that question tells me that there is something there. So I would dig a little bit deeper there and, and just kind of look at it as a way of like, you've got to say no to something so you can say yes to, to other things in your life. And what are those things that you want to say yes to? I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Thanks, yeah, brother. Thank appreciate you. that. Hi, Howdy. I'm Ashley. I'm from Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Yeah, oh, I love Coeur Thanks for making the drive over. Absolutely. It's quick and easy, so thank you very much. So. Jessica was asleep when, uh, when we were driving through Coeur d'Alene. I didn't want to wake her up, but like, she's in the back seat just snoring. And uh, uh, Jess handles all of our social media, and, and she also... Sh yeah, ladies and gentlemen, Jessica Williams. Yes. She also straightens Ryan's hair. <laughs> It looks really you said good. you would never speak of that. <laughs> you said I should never speak of it. Oh, oh. Uh. So I just wanted to say thank you guys because it's nice to see you guys get out of your comfort zone, and a thank lot you. of us find value in that. So thank you. Uh, so I'm in a really great part of my life where I'm kind of being, you know, self-reflective and um, introspective and trying to focus on relationships. And so I'm curious about your guys' take on the value you bring to a relationship and what you do for a person. So, for instance, I've actually experienced a couple incidences recently where it turns out that I might not be providing as much value as I thought I was. So I'm yeah. interested in what your take is on that. Man, that's super honest. Thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, and I, you don't have to go into any more detail if you don't want to, but, but can you, is there any way to expand maybe a little bit on that so I can try to expand on that even farther? I think it's just kind of a difference of um, what everyone is going through in their life. So I've recently split from a relationship and then it's impacted a group of my friends and so a lot of people thought you know that I was a really good friend and then a, a, a handful thought I wasn't so it's interesting to kind of discuss that with different perspectives and different people in that group and so it's just been a good part of my life to go okay maybe I'm not bringing as much value as I thought I was to these relationships. And so I wonder what your guys' take was on that, because you talk a lot about value and what you do for other people. And I wonder, like, what I think I bring to someone else's life may not be as valuable to them. 
Sure. So and I it, wonder what you guys think about that. And, and maybe it can't be a, as valuable either. I mean, I think that's another important thing to realize. Like, there are some authors who I've gotten immense value from. There's no way I could possibly pay them back. So I want you to realize a few things. One is it's, it's not quid pro quo. It's, it's, it's not, well, I have to give one unit of contribution, and I expect to take one unit of contribution from this relationship. But that said... It does sort of work that way. I think every relationship, whether it's an intimate relationship, a friendship, an acquaintance, a networking buddy, a, a boss, a employee, whatever it may be, every relationship has what I would call an us box. And it took me until I was 31, 32 years old to, to figure this out. Um, my first sort of long relationship after my marriage ended, um, I, I realized something as I was going through that. It was a year long, and it was truly amazing. It was outstanding. And then around the year mark, it started to get kind of stale. And I found myself pulling away a little bit because I didn't give it much thought. I didn't start you know, cerebrating on what, what the issues were or whatever. I just said, yeah, I, well, to get back to where it was, or maybe it's just comfortable now. Or, you know, we start making up all these little excuses in our head. Uh, eventually, it sort of fizzled out. Uh, it waned back and forth for a while. And afterward, I did a lot of, I did a, I did a lot of reflection. And, and what I learned is that that relationship had an us box. And it was, when it was going really great, I was giving whatever I could give, and she was also giving whatever she could give to the relationship. And we were both taking from that us box as well, taking what we needed from that relationship. And I think both sides are really important. Because if I just give, 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 I'm going to feel worn out. I'm going to feel used as well. I'm sure we've all experienced this with some sort of relationship where we have a, a, someone who always plays the victim role in their life. Well, victims become victimizers. And, and what I realized is, in, in a way, after, over time, I was giving less and just a little bit less, three less units of contribution this month or whatever it may be, right? But I was still taking the same amount that I needed. I was taking what I needed. And so, of course, she had to give more and, and was becoming more de depleted. And she felt used. And, of course, if you're just taking more than you can give, well, then you're a parasite, right? I mean, it's by definition. That's what a parasite does. It feeds off of uh, other living things. And I, I was the parasite in that relationship. I didn't mean to be. And I, I cared about her. And I, I still think she's a great person. But what I, what I realized from that is, man, I need to be able to show up and give whatever I can give. And I also need to realize sometimes I can give a whole lot more than they can. And other times I can't give as much as they can give. And I have to be okay with that as well. And, and so I think remembering that is is critical for any relationship, even if it's just a friend or an acquaintance. Uh, realize that do an assessment or an inventory of the relationship. What am I taking? What am I contributing? And then you can also look at some of your relationships and reprioritize them. Um, so, Jess, I hate to make you run a, a million different errands here, but um, if you can give her a copy of Everything That Remains, it's the that second book that we wrote, but there's a whole chapter in, in there about about that sort of journey of, of discovering the, the us box in, in my own life. Yeah, I mean, just to expound, and this might be a little bit of an aside to your question, but to expound on the whole unit, keeping track of the units, like holding a count is probably the worst thing you can do in a relationship. Like if I was to sit here and think about 
every time like Josh and I had some kind of disagreement, ever since we were fat little fifth graders, I mean, you can only imagine like the feelings I could probably bring up. I mean, we've never gotten any like, you know, crazy knockdown drag out fights, but uh, I mean, maybe in high school, like we used to like play that, you know, like punch above the waist and bl- I mean, but you know, that was like kids being kids. Ryan used to beat my ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, used to. <laughs> no, no, but, but but in all seriousness, like holding account, even with my romantic relationship with Mariah, like I don't, I don't sit there and like recall every time that she's made me angry because if you think about it, let's say I did that with Mariah and she did that with me. We start off with like this battery meter, if you can imagine, like at a hundred percent. And each of us are like we're we're a hundred percent of the relationship. And then I come home from tour and I sit down and I don't like, you know, hug Mariah right away. Or there's something that makes her mad. And that hundred percent meter goes down to like ninety-eight percent. And then uh, you know, she does something, doesn't make dinner right away. I would never get mad at her for not making dinner right away. I'm just using an example here. And then all of a sudden, like, my meter goes down 2%. And then, you know, uh, she gives me a kiss, and then it goes up 1%. I mean, always keeping track of that. The problem is to get that, to keep it at 100% is going to be impossible. And eventually, it's going to just, it's, it's a net zero game, essentially. So, you know, I, I would first say, like, don't, don't try to keep track of, you know, who has done what for whom. Um, if anything, I would encourage you to, so like with Mariah, I'll stick with that example. Um, like I will ask myself on a daily basis, even if like I have done something to really like, you know, make her frustrated or angry at me or vice versa. Um, again, like we don't have fights, but, (laughs) but even if it was, that was the case, I would ask myself like, what have I done today? to add value to Mariah's life. Like, you know, let's say I am in this position where I'm like, oh, you know, I'm angry for these reasons. Like, I still would ask myself, like, if I wanted to really maintain that relationship, I would still go out of my way to do something to add value to her life. Like, how have I showed her today that I love her? So, I mean, I would start there uh, with people who are really, really important in your life is asking, if you can't do it every day, then do it every other day. Like, what have I done to show this person that I love them? And then if all else fails, you can always go to that person and ask them, like, hey, what else can I do for you? Like, I really want to do, don't even ask them, like, just, just tell them, like, I want to do something for you. Tell me what that one thing is, or tell me two things I can do to really help you out right now. Um, you know, to say, I'm here if you need me, I mean, everyone says that, but to like, to go to them and like, you know, take as much action as possible, like that's really going to show them how much you care. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, don't feel bad if you're not giving uh, as much as you'd like to, or if you feel like you're giving less, unless they come to you and say, hey, you're giving less. Like really, that's, that's probably not an, an issue. Like when it comes to um, like the, like the minimalists.com, like you know, when I got when I have to go to WordPress and do something on the website, I'm like calling Josh, like, dude, I have, I'm like a monkey on a keyboard. Like, I have no idea how to do this. Like, he definitely contributes more on the, on on that stuff. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, there are other things that I will I will do for Josh that you know shows him that I'm invested in this just as much as as he is. So, uh, you know, if if they haven't came to you and said you're not doing enough, then uh, I really I wouldn't like let that weigh too much on your shoulders but if, if it really is then go to them and ask them like hey what more can I do for you I appreciate it thank you guys thank yeah, you you're welcome howdy hi uh, uh, my name is also James 
I've lived in Spokane for about 16 years, originally from the East Coast. Um, and definitely do appreciate you guys coming out here. That's such a beautiful drive from Missoula, even from Bozeman. Such, a, such an amazing drive. Um, Josh, you had talked uh, in your monologue about um, those four boxes that your mom kept. And I wondered if maybe you could elaborate on not knowing anything about your relationship with your mom, but maybe if, you know, the lack thereof, or, you know, even kind of holding on to those memories, you know, if there is any gravity that that held to you. Maybe, you know, you should have been there, could have been there, and weren't, and your mom sort of, you know, gravitated to holding on to these, these memories because, you know, as we grow older, we kind of, I don't want to say abandoned, but maybe just kind of like, you know, parents kind of get sort of, you know, pushed to the side or we, you know, we have our own lives. Sure. I just wondered if maybe you could elaborate on that. Absolutely. I, yeah, it was the original Joshua Fields Milburn writings and I, uh, should have held on to those, man. Yeah. They're going to be worth nothing someday. Um, I'll tell you this. I was, so when she moved down there, I was so fucking busy that I didn't, I mean, if I have one regret in life, it's that I didn't spend more time with her, especially in her time of need. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I feel that. And, and I didn't even, it didn't even come to my mind that I should at the time. That's how involved I was in the minutia of the unimportant. And when, you, when I look back at it now, and it's the, the meetings and the being on my, my Blackberry curve. Um, <laughs> someone, does someone clap at the Blackberry curve? It's because they still, they still have a Blackberry curve. <laughs> well, I, uh, I mean, so I would get, you know, 250 emails a day that required a response. And uh, at one point, I managed 150 retail stores. And that all seemed so important to me at the time. Well, I remember when you like went to take off work yeah. to go spend time with your mom, like how much of a hard time our bosses gave you, man. Yeah, I mean, once I, I took a, I, you know, well, I'm going to take a week of vacation this vacation time. It wasn't, and my boss was like, must be nice. You must be a dick. Um... I mean, the funny thing is, like, I didn't have the balls to say that at the time. And now I have no problem saying that whatsoever. Like, um, but, but I think the reason, the, the reason that she held on to that stuff had little to do with hers and my relationship because she'd been holding on to that stuff since elementary. It, like, it was literally sealed since elementary, and it moved from house to house to house. And, I mean, you all have experienced this, right, where you have those boxes that you move, and the next time you go to move, you still haven't opened the box that you move. It was essentially the same thing there with her. Um, did we spend enough time together? No. I mean, I, I think our relationship was pretty strained, especially growing up. She, she was a really bad alcoholic, and uh, I had a really shitty childhood. And, and I, I, I wouldn't say that I resented that. In fact, now I'm, I'm, I'm great. I didn't really know how poor we were growing up because you don't know when you're in the middle of it, right? You know, it's like a fish doesn't know what water is. It, it's, just, it's just there. And, and so... I found that, that as, I, as I, I, I distanced myself from that, 
I didn't actually distance myself from it because I, 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 I got the corporate job and started making good money, but I was spending even better money. And so really all I was doing was repeating bad decisions. So we didn't have any money growing up, and we weren't happy, because, but it had, there wasn't a direct correlation there. We weren't happy because of repeated bad decisions. And money just amplified those bad decisions into my 20s, including and especially not being able to spend enough time with her when she needed it the most. Yeah, I still, I still think about that now. Thank you, guys. Thanks, James. Howdy. We're going to do, do one last long-winded one, and then Ryan and I will, will battle it out up here. Okay. Hey there. Can you hear me okay? My name's Cammie. Hey, Cammie. Hey, Cammie. Hi. We saw you earlier today. We yes. Did. Yeah. I just you want to talk about that real quick? Yeah, why don't you talk about why we came and saw you earlier? Well, I, I'm still learning, but Spokane has the Jonas Project, and the Jonas Project helps um, get young girls particularly out of sex trafficking. And so they've started a uh, kind of pop-up sale that's going to be happening in Spokane periodically to raise money to help fund these safe houses. I'm, I'm probably doing a terrible job of, of explaining it. You're doing great but, so far. Um, it was inspired through your podcast. My friend Billy kind of, I think, was the spearhead for that. And she just decided, let, let's get rid of our stuff to help fund something that's going to help. Um, mm. women and girls who, yeah. yeah yes you guys are awesome you guys are so awesome I mean they literally you should have seen all the things that they had and it was all like started through the 30-day minimalism game it was yeah it's it's really I mean the, yeah. honestly Billy. like that's why Josh and I do this look she came up she can explain it better okay she go for good. it she did good she did really good okay so uh, a designer in my in uh, at Rainmaker Creative which is he, Sophie's here wherever Sophie is, said, you got to see the minimalism uh, documentary. Sophie's Adam's wife, right? Yes. Adam is the, doing the sound and the lights tonight. So if you laughed at my joke when the lights went out earlier, that's because <laughs> Adam was right on cue. So thank you so much, Adam. Give him a round of applause. Yeah. So cool. Anyway, so I watched it. She was right. I loved it. And um, started following you guys and watched you know, learned about the minimalism game with the day one, you get rid of one thing, and day two, two things, and then by the end of the month, there's 500 things, and gone. And so I just posted on Facebook that I was going to do it, and then 14 other people said they were going to do it, and miraculously, we were also looking for a way to fund the donor project. Um, and so it just all kind of came together, and we said, oh my gosh, that's 7,500 items. What are we going to do with all that? And so, anyway, you guys, thank you. That I love was it. No, cool. thank you. Like, yeah. that's... Like I said, that's why Josh and I do this. Like, if, if we can inspire those types of actions in communities everywhere, and, and we do to a certain extent, but like that is, that, that is huge. Um, thank you guys for pulling together and doing that. Wow. Yeah. That's beautiful. Cammy, I'm so sorry to derail your question. No, that's Please. good. That's way more important. <laughs> okay, so the thing I'm, my first world problem is paper. Um, I have a four drawer file cabinet at home. That There's is a piece of paper in her hand right now. Oh my gosh. Oh, hang on. Ryan, yeah, this is like evidence. Grab the shredder. Hang on. So this is my ticket to get in. I, I didn't know how to like keep it on my phone. I think you just screenshot it, but I didn't know that. So I printed it and then I forgot it. My husband happened to be home and I didn't know how to get it to me. So I was like, honey, can you use our landline fax machine and just fax it to my work? Well, what's, <laughs> so, a, what's like, a fax okay. machine? A fa right. So 
so now you know what you're dealing with, right? So like, this is me. I'm like between Gen X and millennials. Yeah. But I, I feel more like a baby boomer as far as technology. <laughs> I have so much paper and I don't know what to do with it. And I, I don't trust, like I have tape over my computer camera. I've never yeah. Skyped. Like I don't, tr- I don't know what, I, this thing called the cloud, I've heard of it, you know? And here's the crazy, like, I, the thing is, is like, I text, I, I'm actually a real estate agent. I know how to get electronic signatures. I keep my paper, f- footprint as low as possible, but how do I actually manage the important papers um, in a way that, you know, conspiracy theory Jane here, like, feels good about? I- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I gave her a DVD earlier today. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to share uh. with at least 20 people. <laughs> um, no, I... Uh, it- I think one of the, the big problems that we have in, in today's world is we're overwhelmed with the, the, the bad decisions of yesteryear. And I don't mean like actual, like terrible decisions. I just mean like, uh, I'll just stick this receipt in this drawer to deal with it later. <laughs> the reason Ryan literally had seven junk drawers is because when junk drawer number one filled up, it, was, it just was forgotten. And then you move on to junk drawer number two. And I know this because I did the same thing, right? Uh, and uh, my, my junk drawers were, were, were a bit more uh, orderly. They were, I'm really OCD. And, and, and still, though, like, we hold on to these things. Why? Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, what, what papers are you holding on to that you're like, I gotta, gotta have these papers? Right. I'm just curious. Just give me oh a couple examples. Oh, my gosh. A couple examples? Or just some one. Are, I know. Some are kind of like sentimental medical records. Okay. Wait a minute. <laughs> Here, here's, so, Josh, do you remember that time I had appendicitis? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I just... See, I took a picture of the appendicitis and it let me get rid of the... No. I, it's funny. Like, Actually, that, you, you've just illustrated a great example. Like, If we say something out loud, we realize how absurd it becomes. <laughs> Right? Because there are times where I'm like, I couldn't live without this t-shirt. But as soon as I say that out loud, I'm like, get the fuck out of here. (laughs) And and I I mean, like, but that's like, I mean, I used to go shopping as a hobby. You know, 93% of teenagers list shopping as their favorite pastime. We have more shopping malls than high schools in this country. And uh, we talk about, we have an education problem. I mean, I think we have, we have an addiction problem as well, uh, a bad habit problem. And I think that habit extends over into uh, keeping these things. And, and the question I was asking earlier, why do we do that? It's just in case, right? I'm gonna hold on to this just in case. It, it, it's generally not for sentimental re- reasons. Um, and, and so I'll, I'll talk to you about delineating the two. If it's a just in case item, meaning, I might need this someday in some hypothetical future, then give yourself permission to let go of it. Because the truth is that over 99% of the things you're holding on to just in case, you'll never need at all. Now, Ryan and I came up with something called the 2020 rule. It applies to physical items, but I'm sure it would apply to paperwork in at least most scenarios. 2020 rule. Anything you're holding on to just in case, you can get rid of in replace 
for less than $20 and less than 20 minutes from wherever you are. Now you might say, well, Josh, that is a rule of privilege. I don't want to have to go out every day and spend $20 to replace all my just-in-case items. Between the two of us, we've had to use that rule five times in the last five years, and that's a hell of an insurance policy right there. We lived in the middle of nowhere, Montana. Phillipsburg, Montana, if anyone is familiar. <laughs> oh, wow, okay. You've been to the candy store. <laughs> or you've been to Discovery, which actually is pretty... The taffy is delicious. Uh, but no, I mean, what is, it's one stoplight in how many miles? It's one, uh, when we lived there, I know there was one stoplight in 3,400 square miles. And like that rule held up even in that town of like 870, like four bars, one church town. Um, yeah. There's four bars, four churches. <laughs> uh, I mean, the, in the summertime, I think the population increased a little bit. But, but yeah, I mean, just to this point of like that rule is it's... Uh, in this society, even in the middle of nowhere, it still holds, holds pretty well. Yeah, one last thing I, I will tell you that I think is even more important, especially for paperwork. Ryan earlier talked about his packing party. Do you know why we call it a packing party? Because if you put party at the end of anything, Ryan shows up. <laughs> and uh, shortly after the packing party, I had something called a scanning party. Got, so yeah, there, there I brought are, the beer. There are nice, nice digital scanners out there right now. In fact, if you just go to theminimalists.com slash scanning, you can see the exact scanner that I use um, and that we share. Actually, all of us share. We just pass it around. Um, and what you'll do is you take any... It, it, it's not those old scanners that used to like lift up the lid and put a piece of paper on, wait 15 minutes to get a blurry upside-down copy of something. <laughs> It's an actual, like, you just feed photos or documents through it, and they scan relatively quickly. And what you do is you make a, a, a weekend day of it or an entire weekend of it, get all your old photographs. Because, by the way, your old photographs, no one's looking at them in the basement or the attic or the closet, right? Or even worse, if you put them in a photo album and then force that onto your company. <laughs> they hate that. But here's the weird thing. If you put it in a digital picture frame... People, we're, we're just drawing the screens. All of a sudden, we, like, we, we start congregating around this little digital picture frame when you go to someone's house. And so you can do that now. You can even upload new pictures from your phone directly to the, to, to the uh, um, digital picture frame without having to you know, go through your computer or anything else. So what I'm going to say is it's going to take you a day or an entire weekend to do this scanning party for all your documents. And you're going to realize how absurd holding on to most of them more you're like, I'm not going to scan this one. Well, then you get rid of it. And the ones you do scan, now you have it backed up. Now you said you're paranoid, the cloud is terrifying. <laughs> you don't have to use the cloud. You know, I mean, I use Dropbox personally, and I, I, I know that they're redundant and secure as it can be for the cloud. But I also have an external hard drive. You buy, you know, a one terabyte hard drive, and it's going to hold all your photos and all your documents for a very long time, and it's probably going to cost you 60 bucks. And it, th that's worth a lot more to me. So it's on my computer, it's on my hard drive, my external hard drive, and then it's in the cloud as well. So I have this sort of triple redundancy. But yeah, go to theminimalists.com slash scanning and you'll see like the whole scanning party thing there. It'll yeah. help you out a lot. I'll tell you, after the packing party, that was so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean, and after I went through all my stuff and um, I had all that stuff left over, like Josh came over and he's helping me uh, just get rid of different stuff. Like I remember, 
um, I'm going through like each box and I'm like, do I need this USB cable? Do I need this? And I see Josh and he's just like sweeping things into like this 50 gallon trash bag. It is so much easier to get rid of other people's stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, no, dude. I'm like, I might need that coffee mug that says world's number one dad on it. Like, like I, you know, I had 50 other coffee mugs, but there was like this, the whole, the whole just in case thing. Like, well, what if 49 of them break? And, and uh, you know, Josh helped me to, to kind of come up with this rule where I'm like, you know what, if I haven't used this thing in like the last year, I've got to be honest with myself and be like, all right, am I going to use this within the next year? And if the answer was no on both sides of that, then I, w- I felt comfortable either like donating it or selling it. Um, I mean, now I usually go by probably six months. But I mean, t- it's really 90, 90 days. But like with snowboarding, there's like a couple things I have to extend that a little bit. There's always exceptions to the rules, right? But I mean, it helps me keep, to keep a lot of the clutter out of my life. But I remember I was, uh, like Josh had left, and I pretty much sorted everything. And I was kind of, you know, doing the rest of my own. And I came across this shoebox I had with a lot of like high school memories in it. Like I had... Um, Oh, just like a picture of like me and my, my prom dates and uh, like a shot glass they gave us for our senior year prom gift, which is like the worst <laughs> gift you can give an 18-year-old kid. And I remember there were these letters that my mom wrote me in high school. And like these letters, like the, the memory of those letters, like just thinking about um, just the heartfelt things that she wrote in there, it really made it hard for me to like just and I hadn't looked at those letters in years, it made, it made it really hard for me to just, like, get rid of that stuff. And I remember, like, holding on that shoebox, and I'm like, you're a minimalist now, dude. You got to get rid of this. <laughs> and I'm, like, going, you know, like, trying to go to the trash can. I'm like, I, I can't do it. Like, like this, this stuff really means a lot to me. So I, I got one of the letters out, and I read the letter. And it was really weird, like, the memory I had of the letter versus reading the letter evoked two completely different emotions. The memory I had when I thought about the letter was much stronger, and it meant much more to me than when I actually read the letter, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And after I did that, I was like, oh, wow, like, this doesn't really mean that much to me anymore. Like, the memory of it meant way more to me than like, what it actually said. Um, I agreed to like, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna snap a picture of it. I didn't even scan it, I just like snapped a picture of it. And By the way, we, we had a, a listener that called in recently. There, you can do this, there's a new app now, I think it's called, sorry to derail it here, but there's it's a called, couple that, yeah, it's called Tiny Scan, I think. Yeah, and it like converts it into PDFs, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and it'll, it'll upload right to your computer or whatever you want it to do. Yeah, so uh, I took a picture of it. Um, so technically, I still had it, and I threw the, the letter away. And I just thought to myself, like, worst case scenario, I can totally get that in the morning, like, if I can't sleep at night. And I, I didn't even think about that letter until I went to take out the trash the next night, and it was, like, sitting there on top, and I was like, oh, yeah. And after, like, realizing how it was, it was kind of important, because I said it was important, and then I just kind of, like, flipped this switch, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to read all these letters. Uh, I'm not going to hold on to these silly high school memories, because... They, it's not that I didn't have a good time in high school as much as I really wanted to move forward with my life rather than like live in my high school memories. And, and I, I, I got rid of pretty much everything in that shoebox. Um, well, no, I did get rid of everything, but like I took pictures of a few things. 
And that, that helped me out a lot. Um, I, uh, I was going to recommend, like, yeah, there's total apps that you can uh, get to take pictures of and upload to PDFs, but you got a fax machine. <laughs> and this fax machine, actually, actually, what you can do with that is you can get a phone number, like a Google Voice. I haven't done this since, like, the corporate days when we, we used fax machines there, but I know that still you can get a phone number that you can fax stuff to, and it goes to your email. So you really don't even need to go buy a, a scanning device. I mean, unless you got some pictures you want to get rid of, fax, fax copy of pictures are probably going to be kind of crap. But, yeah. but, just, but just with the, the, the medical paperwork that you're talking about, <laughs> I mean, that stuff, that's, that's a pretty easy fix. And I would encourage you to do the same thing I did. Like, pull that stuff. When's the last time you looked at it? Three years ago. Okay. So it, so it is something that you look at a lot. Um, <laughs> great. No, I think that's, I think that's awesome. <laughs> um, I mean, it she shows said three years ago. Oh, I thought she said three days. <laughs> <laughs> three years ago. Okay, so you don't look at it quite so much. <laughs> All right, so if it was three years ago, then okay. All right, good, good. My point is making sense then. Um, but even if you did say three days ago, you know what? That is, that's great. Like I'm gl I would be glad that you're getting value out of it. Uh, but you don't have to have that physical thing to like, continue to get value out of it. But yeah, if you haven't looked at it in three years, I would encourage you to go, go through your stuff and start looking at that and, and really see what kind of emotion it evokes when you look at it. Because I guarantee you're going to experience at least some of that, what, what I went through with uh, the memory of it versus looking at that piece of paper. You're probably going to have two different emotions that, that, that are going to be sparked. Um, here's the thing, though. You got a lot of paperwork. <laughs> it's going to be hard. Yeah. This is not easy. I mean, that's why, and, and, and when I give that talk, I'm like, I'm not talking about a perfect life, not even an easy life, because it's too often we mistake simple with easy, and simple is not easy. So I'm just trying to set you with the right expectation. This is going to be hard work, and you are going to have to formulate a plan, but you've got to take action on that plan. But if you can find your partner or uh, a friend or a family member who can come help you, it'll totally help lighten up the load, get a bottle of wine, make it a party. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, you do have to take action on it, and it's not, not going to be easy. It is going to be difficult, but what I'll tell you is once you get through it, you're going to feel so much better, and then if you can come up with a system to uh, keep that paperwork kind of moving through, like with my taxes, I do not have any hard copies of my taxes anymore. Wow. Like anything that I had uh, from, what, what did they say, six years? Is that four years? I hold Seven. on to six years. I don't know what, the, I don't know what it is. Seven. <laughs> Uh-oh. Ryan, we need your records from 2009. <laughs> but, but, my, but my point is, is that uh, if, I, but if I needed that seventh year, I could go to my uh, CPA at the time or my accountant at the time, or I think I was using like TurboTax seven years ago, <laughs> and I know I can log onto my account and get those records. <laughs> um, that is, uh, the CPA that I use isn't, isn't just self-employed, it's a huge company. I have, I have email records of it. They have records of it. I have it in the cloud. I'm sure I'll be able to get a hold of it. Uh, but, but my point is, is that there are very few social security card, birth certificate, passport. There are very few records that you actually need to have physical copies of, which reminds me, I lost my social security card. I got, I got to get another one of those. 
Um, <laughs> that was like a year ago. And can I you wait till after the podcast? <laughs> What's that? So can you wait till after the podcast? Yeah, I'll wait till after. But but yeah, I mean, uh, I guess my my point is my long point is no. I, a lot of these things we do talk in ourselves into needing physical copies of it, and in this day and age, like we are in a culture of access, and and things are much more accessible than what they were 50 years ago. So uh, good luck on your journey. Tweet us if we can help call in Thank to you. the podcast uh, if you got any other questions that come up. But Cami, you got to formulate a plan and you got to act on it. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. Before we move on, real quick, for the people who are are listening at home, or if you want to pull out your phones for some reason and do this, if you have a a comment or tip for anyone who asked a question today, you can leave us a voicemail, 406-219-7839, or you can also send a voice memo from your phone. Uh, You can email it it over to podcast at theminimalists.com. We will air our favorite comments and tips on the next episode. Ryan, what time is it? You know, I used to have fun with the lightning round until you gamified it. (laughs) But yes, it is time for our hashtag Ask the Minimalists lightning round. We usually do questions from Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We're at the minimalists on all of of those platforms. uh, But since you're here right now, you can ask your question, and you will try to, we'll try to give you a, a short, pithy, less than 140-character response that is tweetable. By the way, if you're tweeting tonight or, or Instagramming or MySpacing or whatever you kids do these days, um, you can use hashtag lessisnow, and we'll repost a lot of our, our favorite photos and quotes and all that other fun stuff. Howdy, what's your name? Hi, my name's Jessica, and I'm from Alaska. You should totally go there, by the way. Oh, we want to. You didn't come down from Alaska, did you? No, I didn't. Okay. I wish I would okay. have. But you know, actually... I was going to say, we've been to all 49 states except Alaska, so yes, Anchorage will there. be on our list one of these days. Good. Yes. Yes. Um, I actually met you guys out at the LA screening. I used to live in Los Angeles. Oh, awesome. I was there for your documentary screening in Q&A. Nice. Cool. Um, I was also the person who clapped about the BlackBerry curve, if I can definitely relate to that. I used to be on my BlackBerry all the time. Man, so, I miss that keyboard. They, that's the yes, only thing I really I loved about it. I do miss that yeah. compared to the iPhone. But anyway, um, so I actually was a student out here at Eastern Washington University back in the day. Woo! Shout out to the Eagles. Um, anyway, I was working in Los Angeles for the last 10 years, and a friend of mine actually turned me on to your podcast, and I wanted to personally thank you for your podcast, your blog, incredible documentary. Thank you very much. All the books. Um, No, no, keep going. (laughs) And everything else that you guys have done. Um, Anyway, it really, you know, you ask the question a lot, what would you be willing to give up to live a more meaningful life? And um, I always said that family was my number one priority. I was working in a job that I absolutely loved as an entertainment uh, publicist. Uh, However, the job was incredibly stressful, but very creatively fulfilling. However, um, I gave up that job to come back out here. I reconnected with my college sweetheart, so I gave it up to come back for love. So, hope to be an inspiration to my partners out there in the crowd. Oh, yeah. Congratulations. (laughs) So, um, but my question for you is, I recently went back to L.A. to meet up with some of my colleagues I'd worked with. I've heard you talk a little bit about kind of leaving the corporate ladder, embracing minimalism. When I went back to see them, there were a lot of questions. You know, are you happy? How are you doing? How is it? Um, I was very exuberant. However, it was also a little bit of a, 
it was a little bit strange, you know, because I felt like I didn't want to come across as bragging about kind of, you know, simplifying my life, feeling like I'm living a more meaningful life. How did you go back to kind of communicate with your colleagues after you left about kind of this new journey that you were on in terms of simplifying and really finding what really matters um, without, you know, and wanting to be kind of an inspiration for them, especially for your friends that you stayed close with without kind of coming across as being like you were bragging? How would you answer that in a tweet, Ryan? <laughs> um. <laughs> hey, I got one for you. Go for it. I like that. Don't sweat the small stuff. That's good. That's think, mine. That, thank you. Don't sweat the small stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so I'll get down to a, a distilled answer here in a second. Uh, uh, so no, this is not fair. <laughs> you're not fair. Um, Ryan, life isn't fair. You can tweet that. Um, so so um, what? I walked away from all of that. And the the relationships that are still in my life from that time, which are very few, are people who eventually saw the light. So, um, how would I tweet that, Ryan? I would say, um, when you walk away from everything, the important things follow. Good. Nice. Thank you so much. But, by the way, you all are the judges to determine who wins tonight, so. Uh, I'll say my tweetable answer and then I'll expound. Because that's really how the game should be played. <laughs> um, people hate change. People hate being changed even more. So what I mean by that is, you know, when I go talk to my friends of yesteryear, I don't, I don't put anything in their face. Like, I don't ever say, hi, I'm Ryan, the minimalist. <laughs> and when people ask me what I do, I go, snowboard. I'm like, what are you passionate about? What do you love to do? Actually, that's really what I'll say. You know, what do you do? I'm like, I love to snowboard. What do you love to do? And they're like, uh, I mean, like, how do you make money? I'm like, you want to know how I make money? Like, what an odd question. <laughs> I think so, that's the tweet. <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I, don't, I don't ever explain to someone, uh, you know, the, the minimalist lifestyle unless someone is really digging deep and they're really trying to understand, like, okay, what is it? That, that makes you happy. I notice like you do things a little bit differently. Um, tell me about that. But you know, if Josh came to me and he was like, hey man, um, dude, you're a hoarder just like me. And you really need to, uh, you really need to do this minimalism thing. Um, I don't think I would have, I mean, I would have listened to him, I guess, because I've known him for so long. But I definitely would have been like way more defensive. Where when I went to him and I'm like, what is going on with you, man? Like, you're really acting different in a good way. But like, you know, why the hell are you so happy? And that opened the door to that conversation. So, um, yeah, I would just encourage you to be yourself. And, you know, don't, don't press the whole minimalism thing on people. Because, again, like people, they hate change, but they hate trying to 
they hate when people try to change them even more. Thank you. Thanks, Jess. Thanks. All right, I see four more. We'll try to be lightning fast, Ryan. I know they want to kick us out of here eventually. So my name's uh, Bobby, and I, uh, um, I come from Spokane. <laughs> Howdy. And, hey. And so uh, my question is, um, I just recently graduated college, and so I'm trying to get you know, finances together and save up for retirement or save up for a, a home eventually. And I've talked to a lot of my um, other friends who are also looking at you know, I don't know, buying homes or whatever, and a lot of them are like, you know, wanting to buy homes really soon, you know, doing 30-year mortgages and stuff. And I've heard that, you know, you guys have said, no, don't do that. It's a horrible idea. And I've, you know, told my friends this. And all my friends, even their parents, have said, that's, you know, they're like, oh, that's a dumb idea because you can pay off a 30-year loan or 30-year mortgage sooner. And so why get a 15-year mortgage when it's just going to cost you? Like, what if something wrong happened and you couldn't pay that 15-year mortgage? And so why not have the 30-year mortgage where it's lower payments, but you can still pay it off longer? I just wanted to see like, what you guys thought about that because I just think that it could be like tempting to mm-hmm. just start paying the minimum and then yeah. not getting it paid off soon enough. So here, here's my, my short answer for you. What percentage of people pay off a 30-year mortgage in less than 30 years? That's my short answer. Um, if I were to expand it all on it, I, I have a, Ryan and I wrote a long essay called Financial Freedom, Five Difficult Steps to Get Out of Debt. And, and that's really what it, it is difficult, right? Um, I'll never go into to debt again. And, and if, I, there were, if there were some strange scenario where a mortgage was right for me, I, I plan to own a home someday. I can't afford to buy a house outright, certainly not right now, uh, but I, I have a house fund that I continue to save. There are scenarios where it might make sense. If I could have at least bare minimum 20% down, personally it'd be 50% because I, I want to be a little bit more conservative with my money. But uh, So 20% minimum, and can I do a at least a 15-year fixed rate? But for me, it'd be 50% down, seven-year uh, mortgage. And if I can't afford that, that I can't afford it. So maybe, maybe that's my short answer. If you can't afford it, then you can't afford it. Bobby, right? Yeah. Bobby, there is no such thing as good debt. I repeat, there is no such thing as good debt. That's my short answer. But here's what I'll say about debt. Uh, there are some debts better than others. I'd rather you go get a 30-year mortgage than a you know, $60,000 credit card debt. Um, I'd rather you have student loan debt than a you know, payday loan debt on the, on the corner of the street. Um, I mean, there are definitely debts that are better than others, and I think some debt can be used as a tool. I, I think that you know, in Josh's scenario, like that's using debt as a tool to get a home. And, you know, not everyone can afford to just buy a home outright. I certainly can't. Josh can't. Um, yeah, like if I wanted a home right now, I'd have to, uh, I would have to take out a loan. Same thing, um, my, my car, the roof leaks, like when it rains, I would love to have a new car right now. I'm saving up for a new car. I'll probably get one in the next couple of years. But I'm not going to go out of my way to uh, tack on that, that debt payment. 
Um, cause that's exactly what it is. So like I live my life, I keep as many debt payments as possible out of there. Now I've heard people be like, Oh, there's, you know, you can borrow, you know, X amount of dollars from a bank at a 1% interest. You put it in the stock market, you can gain X amount on the stock market. I've seen equations where people do leverage debt to make money. The only time I've ever seen that work though, is usually when someone is already well enough off, like Mark Zuckerberg took out a mortgage on his house because he can take a million dollars and put it in the stock market and make you know 7% year over year uh, where his house, he's only paying 4% compound interest year over year. So he's gonna make more money off having a million bucks. So yeah, I, you know, if you're well off, then great. Like there's some, some ways that you can leverage debt to make more money. But Bobby, there is no such thing as good debt. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I think the lesson there is if you're the sixth richest man in the world, you can afford to have a mortgage. <laughs> nice. Howdy. Hi, I'm Lisa. I'm from Hauser Lake, Idaho, just over the border. Um, I was actually drugged here this evening by my son. His date kind of fell through, and I am totally new to this whole minimalist thing. So my question is more energetic. I know that you had mentioned feng shui was kind of an inspiration. So I'm wondering how deeply you've delved into the energetic aspects of being minimalist and giving up things that no longer serve you and focus on the things that add value to your life. Let me ramble here for a second to get my short answer out. Um, I, I, think that, I think that there were a, a bunch of unexpected benefits. Um, so my short answer, so, so at first for me it was my finances, right? Because I had six figures worth of debt. Half a million dollars if you count my mortgage, my 30-year mortgage. Um, and, and so that was the first natural benefit for me, but from there it was health and repairing my relationships and improving my relationships and growing and contributing and finding out what I was passionate about, but also bringing in a sort of aesthetic beauty into my life and also a calmness and, and, and living not stress-free, but with less stress. And it's not about living a happy life, right? I'm not happy perpetually. I'm not a manic person. I'm happier. And, and I think that's important. It's very zen. Yeah. And, and, and I'm also not uh, I, I'm chasing happiness anymore, right? And, and, and so I think, I think the short answer to that would be something like um, when you take a meaningful path, the benefits are plentiful. Um, I'll just give you my, my tweetable answer. The physical things we have in our life is a, physical, is a physical manifestation of what we have on the inside. Beautiful. Thanks. Thank, Thank you. you. All right, last two here. Last two. We'll, make it, we'll try to make it quick for y'all. Howdy. Good evening, gentlemen. How's it going? Good evening. Good, good. My name's Colton. I'm from Spokane, Washington. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me, and thank you for being here. Um, so my question does not revolve around minimalism, but um, humility. So uh, it's a bit of a story. My mother just sold her house, uh, which is a big deal. And the same week, she calls me and she says, "Hey, would you guys like, or would you go like to go see the minimalists?" And I said, "Sure." Uh, and this is big because my mom likes to shop, and she just sold her house. So I thought this is a good time for all of this to happen. 
But uh, in true fashion, she decided to go out with a bang, and she may or may not have purchased uh, nine tickets tonight. We have three people in attendance. So how do you uh, get up here in front of everybody and stay humble? Because I told her to get up here and explain this situation, and she threatened to disown me. Um, so I may be out of a will tonight, but uh, I believe it was worth it to have an answer to this question. Are you a public speaker? I did graduate with a degree in communications. Yeah. I can tell you've got, you've got a confidence about you that I, I don't think I'll ever have. Um, and so maybe that's part of it. Um, there are three things that I hate. Uh, travel, public speaking, and large crowds of people. <laughs> Doing really well tonight. Um, no, I don't actually hate those things. I, they, they, I, they make me uncomfortable. Like, I'm a pretty good writer, and I know that. And, and so it's harder for me to be humble about something like that, except, you know, when I look at the work of someone like David Foster Wallace or M Mary Carr, and I'm like, oh, I, th that's a dream. And so that's one way to stay humble. But also, I found another way for me to stay humble, and so this will be my, my, my lightning round answer to you, is um, to stay humble, constantly put yourself in a state of discomfort. I'll just speak to the, the nine tickets. And by the way, thanks for buying nine tickets. That's awesome. <laughs> Josh and I are not allergic to money. I mean, it was not on my dime. So thank her. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I'll say is uh, the people you love and the people that you want to see happy, you'll support them no matter what. And just to expound on that a little bit. Um, you know, I, I stay humble by, by learning from my errors. And I still err. Like, I wish I, again, I wish I could be like, this minimalist thing, you'll just buy all our books and watch our documentary and you'll have a perfect life. It just doesn't work that way. Um, but for me, staying humble is admitting when I've screwed up and, and learning from that. Thank you both. Thanks, brother. Thanks a lot, man. Howdy. Hey guys. My name is also James, um, but my question James is... James the Third. Right. Uh, how can we help our children to relate and to encourage them to get rid of their stuff that's not important, important to them when sometimes what they're holding in their hand at that time might be the most important thing in the world to them at that moment? <laughs> Thanks. No, uh, Ryan, you don't have kids. Can you answer this one? Yeah. It's really easy to give advice when you don't have kids, let me tell you. No, I'm going to steal a quote from Joshua Becker's book, uh, Clutter, Free, uh, Clutter Free with Kids. Um, as parents, you get to set the boundaries for your children. And what I mean, like, here, here's one boundary. Um, and I'm totally stealing this from a parent who was at one of our events. She was talking about how she uh, hates to tell her kids no. So she's got like a little five-year-old who will come home and be like, hey, I got this painting. I just didn't, you know, class today. Can I put it on the refrigerator? And she's like, yes, you can't put that on the refrigerator. Then they walk over there and like the refrigerator is already covered 
in her other paintings. So she's like, which one do you want to take down and throw away? And so like the kid will pick like, oh, this one. So then like they replace it and they walk over to the trash and throw away. So you can still tell your kids yes, but as a parent, you get to set the boundaries. My short answer for you is your kids are watching. It doesn't matter what you tell them, honestly. I mean, it's, it's, it's important to tell them the right stuff, but if you don't back that up with the right actions, I notice it all the time with Ella. I mean, when, when she's doing something that's obnoxious or rude, she probably got it from me. <laughs> and she's doing a three-year-old version of it, so it's more obnoxious and more rude. But, but, but the truth is that she learned it from somewhere, and I think that's actually good news, because that means that we get to, if we're aligning our actions with that best person that we want to be, and it keeps me on my toes as well. Like, if I know she's watching, then I better be the best version of myself if I want, here we go. If we want our kids to be the best version, then we need to be the best version of ourselves. Thanks, guys. Thank you, man. You know what? We, we, on our podcast, we often do an a added value segment where we talk about something that has added value to our lives recently. And I think maybe we'll switch it up a little bit and do a, a local added value segment since I mean, we, we travel to Spokane quite a bit. Yeah. Do, do you have a, a local added value? Uh, yes. The coconut burger at, is it Huckleberry's? Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. We, well, like we were earlier today, I'm like, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to get that coconut burger. And Josh is like, the last three times I've been here, they've been out. <laughs> and I was so sad. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I went there and like we asked and they totally had it today. Yeah, out of this, if you haven't had it, it is out of this world. It is better. It's the best vegetarian burger I've ever had in my life. I'm not a vegetarian anymore, but it is the best vegetarian burger I have ever had in my life. I actually am tempted because we live only like three hours away from here. They said... Because they don't sell them in the store, but they said if I like purchased a case of coconut burgers in advance, <laughs> they would minimalism. Set them, they, would, <laughs> they would set them aside for me. Yeah, no, I don't think I'll do that. But uh, but damn, that's a good burger. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna recommend Core Coffee, but they went out of business. And I, yeah, know, I know we right? drove by earlier today, and it was. I was, yeah. I was so disappointed by that. It was one of my favorite coffee shops in the country, honestly, and they're, they're gone. But I have another recommendation. The very first time I went floating was at Float Spokane. And so, yeah. It, if you haven't done sensory deprivation yet, it's, it's, it's worth the, the trip. Oh, dude, I totally thought you were talking about going in the river on a tube. <laughs> I'm like, we live in Missoula, Montana, where a river literally runs through it, and the first time you floated... Anyway, sorry, I digress. I'm digressing. <laughs> I would never do that. It's disgusting. Um, my water has to be sanitized. With, Salinated. Yeah. So exactly 96 degrees. <laughs> that, that's exactly... what. Yeah, it, it's the same temperature as your skin, and so it's sens sensory deprivation. You can't see anything, you can't feel anything, and you can't hear anything, and you realize how loud your mind is once you've turned all your other senses off. And it is a, it's a truly amazing experience. So I would encourage you to, to check that out. Uh, real quick, uh, we'll move on to, to right here, right now. We'll talk about what's going on in our lives. We're on tour. Did you know this? Um, 
So we just had a few weeks off from our first little wave, and we're out on the second wave now. Uh, we're in Spokane. We're go headed over to Seattle and and uh, and Portland. Yes, we were just in Portland, Maine, and now we will be in Portland, Oregon. And we're, we're headed like 40 cities total. So if anyone's listening to us at home and wants to, to come see us, you can. Uh, it's lessisnow.com is the address over there. Also, uh, Ryan and I are building a a new podcast and video studio. We want to do a lot more video work. We found that a lot of people got a ton of value in the documentary that we put out there. And so, yeah, someone liked the documentary. It was good. Thank you. And so we, we just started something called a Patreon page. Patreon allows people to support us per podcast if you, if you can afford doing something like that. Just a buck or two an episode. It's a great way. None of the money goes to me or Ryan. Uh, we're using it only to, to build a studio, also to, to pay podcast Sean a living wage because he has a wife and three kids, and, and then also to hire a full-time filmmaker so we can do a lot more great, meaningful uh, video content. So that, that's something we're working on. If you're interested in helping out with that, you can go to... Uh, patreon.com slash the minimalists or you can just go to our website and click on the little donate button up there if you want to help out one other way to help out if you can't afford to to help us out uh, monetarily if you want to leave a review on our podcast uh, on iTunes uh, let's see is there anything else that is going on in our lives right now I don't know you want to talk about the other cities that we're going to be in? Oh, no, I don't have my whole list with me right now. Okay. But we're we're going to be in a lot more cities. Well, every time we get on like a Facebook Live or like Sean wakes up to 100 emails, uh, people are always like, when are you coming to Brazil? When are you coming to wherever? And it's Wichita. Wichita, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, for anyone at home, you just go to lessisnow.com and you can see exactly where we'll be, when we will be. Well, uh, before, before we wrap up, uh, I, I just want to thank uh, a few folks real quick. Uh, first off, the venue, uh, just all the folks here, Daryl and then Jeff from Live Nation, the, the promoters of, of our, our tour. I just want to say thank you for letting us. This is such a, a beautiful space. Yeah, this Don't you think? It's beautiful. And most important, I want to thank you for being here. You know, you, you could have chosen to be anywhere else, and you decided to, to be here tonight. And we're grateful. I, 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 don't, I know that it costs some money to get into these events. Ryan and I don't really make any money from touring because of all the travel, and we bring other people with us and everyone else we have to pay. But um, that we have to charge so that we can you know, afford to have a place like this. We can't try to drag all of you into a field somewhere and, <laughs> and, and talk. Um, but it actually costs you a lot more than money. It costs you your time and attention, and we're really grateful for that. Thank you. And if you leave, thank you. Thank you. I seriously am grateful that you decided to, to come out here. It's, it's, it's really unbelievable that we get the chance to do this, and it's something we really believe in, and, and I'm just glad. And I think if you leave here with one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. All right, y'all, we'll see you out there shortly. We love you, Spokane, thank you so much. My name is Craig, I'm calling from the Toledo, Ohio area, and my comment is for Susan, who was wondering about keeping baby clothes uh, to remind her of when her newborn came home this, I'm sure, will certainly expand into other projects and papers and artwork as the child progresses from preschool through kindergarten up to fourth, fifth grade. 
when most of that artwork is produced. We kept a lot of that stuff. Um, all of that sort of thing went into a big box because at the time when they're very young that seems like very invaluable stuff to keep and ultimately as the children grew older we started to sort through it and realized that only certain pieces meant something or that were had something that we really liked and those were items that got scanned or photographed and even now uh, my children are 16 and 19 and as we still find various things they kind of look at it and say I don't know why you're keeping that uh, and so then we take a photograph of it and then it goes in the trash so they don't seem to mind at all and we keep remembrances of the pieces we like the best in a digital format and the rest of it goes away so I guess what I'm saying is give yourself a little permission having a baby is a very exciting thing and as they grow up you will find more value in certain things than others and the things that you seem to want to hold on the most right now may not seem as important in a few years so give yourself a little a little time and a little uh, availability to kind of hold on to stuff for a little while but not forever hey josh and ryan uh, my name is zach miller calling from minneapolis minnesota um just uh listen to your podcast I, I'm not sure if it was on clothing or uh, travel or something like that, but you mentioned clothing, and uh, just figured I'd share uh, what, what I've learned about uh, my clothing choices um, on my journey to becoming a minimalist. Um, my three objectives uh, for any sort of clothing item that I would own is that it is functional, uh, it is durable, and uh, it is stylistic, stylistically versatile, uh, meaning I can wear it to any or most of the activities that I would partake in. Um, I generally stick to neutral or earth tones. This way it um, gets rid of the need for brands or logos, and I can, again, pretty much wear it anywhere. Um, pop a color every once in a while with an outerwear, maybe a rain jacket uh, or a backpack or something like that. Um, helps to identify that it's yours as well, um, which is a useful function. Um, and... Again, mostly what I wear is geared towards function. Uh, what will I use it for? Can I use it for many different things, uh, whether it be professional, business, uh, or going on a hike? Hi, uh, my name is Pepper Peroni. I'm from Dallas, Texas, and I'm 15 years old. Um, I am a young student who's in high school, and I've just been listening to The Minimalist for about three years now. And I've gotten a lot of value from Yale's podcast and everything. But I wanted to give a comment to help out fellow young people and also fellow artists. Um, something that I've noticed from a very young age, I've always kind of been a maximalist and trying to fill up every wall with every painting and canvas I create. But sometimes that motivates me and sometimes that almost deteriorates my function and my motivation. So something that I'd recommend is try going through your artwork and, and firstly scanning it all because that portfolio that you have it's valuable in the future, but I would also reach out to friends and family, and although giving material gifts at times can can hurt someone, I think that if, if you reach out to them prior and say, hey, I have this piece of art, and I noticed that you have this empty wall and you've been talking about filling it up, I think that giving that creation to someone else, adding value to their life and adding value to yours by having an empty wall can mean a lot to both people. 
Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. Every little thing that you gotta have. Every little thing that you gotta have. You gotta reach for and you gotta grab. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. So tear your eyes away. Or tear. 